0: Hey guys, this is Simon. this is Brustling Unlimited as tonight was AEW Double or Nothing. As far as Double or Nothing goes, go, I thought it was a really, really good show. There was a lot of good stuff on this show, but then there were some eh, things on this show as well. But we always get that with wrestling shows. I mean, WWE had that yesterday as well where they had some good stuff and they had some not good stuff and some okay stuff. And I felt like AEW... Was the same way. Had some really good stuff on the show. But at the same time had some meh. It was just their stuff as well. But overall I would say a really really good show. Nonetheless. But with that. I want to say thank you. If you are watching live. Twitch.tv. pwlimited slash PW watching live on YouTube, youtube youtube.com forward slash ProWrestlingUnlimited, or maybe watching later on YouTube or listening on podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription Or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games. And it always gives you one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here for Wrestling Unlimited. Also remember, you can support us over on YouTube by becoming a channel member or donating Super Chats in the live chat. Finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game, whether you're buying an old game, whether you're claiming the free games or getting books for Rocket League, Fortnite, Fall Guys, or Rumbleverse, use this code right here, PWUnlimited, at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Again, trying to get the brand new Star Wars Jedi Survivor, LEGO 2K Drive, claiming the free game? Uh... N- Fallout New Vegas Ultimate Edition. Use code PWU and L I M I T E D at checkout, and you'll be supporting us at no extra cost. And now, here's what I'm going to say. If you're watching live, please no NXT Battleground spoilers in the live chat. You will be immediately banned, or at least blocked for the night. Because I haven't seen the show. And maybe there are a number of other people who have not seen that show as well. And don't want that show spoiled for them yet in the live chat. This is just AEW. So please only keep the talk to AEW talk. Again, I haven't seen it. But I will watch it right after I finish this. And then that will be, um, like I say, the main focus for the most part of tomorrow's wrestling wrap up. That show will kick off with my NXT Battleground review. I only know one result from the entire show because it blew up Twitter, and that is, I'll just say, not giving a spoiler, who won the Vacant Women's Championship. So, that's all I'm going to say. So, if you did watch Battleground, whether you watched it and Double or Nothing at the same time, or didn't watch Double or Nothing and only watched Battleground, please know Battleground spoilers in the live chat for myself and possibly others who have not seen it yet either because that show and the AEW show ran simultaneously at the same time tonight. Let's jump right into it. As far as the pre-show, the buy-in does go for AEW Double or Nothing. That show had Renee Paquette, Kazim Fam, I always butcher his last name, Kazim Famoudide, Paul White, and Stokely Hathaway. I don't know why, but every time Paul White would talk, it sounded like he was yelling, like they were running down the card. And at one point, he was like, "And there's gonna be an unsanctioned match." It's Adam Cole and Chris Jericho. And he's like yelling it. He's like, there's gonna Oh no, let me I can do that. I can do that impression better. There's gonna be an unsanctioned match. It's Chris Jericho and Adam Cole tonight with Sabu. Or something like that. Like I I'm, I'm not getting the, the dialect downright or the voice, but you get what I'm saying. Every time they send it to him, he would yell because they would have each member as they're going through the card say one of the matches. So Renee would be like, the world title will be on the line with the, the four pillars, right? And then you'd have Stokely say something and whatnot. So, yeah, it was weird, and I forget what match they were talking about. It might have been the BCC versus the um, might have been the BCC versus the Elite. Yes, it was, it was, it was. And Stokely goes, "Yeah, I'm scared of the BCC. They can kick my ass." And Paul White goes, well, I bet you a, a soft gust of wind can kick your ass or something like that. And he looks at him and goes, what? He's like, excuse me, Paul, or something like that. Stokely's a national treasure. I'm going to say that right now. Stokely out the way and a microphone in his hand is so god dang amazing. He's great. He's great. And what makes him great, and a lot of people can't do this, he can play off of Anybody. Whether that person is a skilled person on the mic as well or not. Like, Stokely Hathaway can get a line from anybody and just, boom, off the cuff. No if, fans, buts about it. Just play right off of it perfectly. Stokely Hathaway is an improv genius, basically. But as far as the buy-in does go, one match did take place on this show. Hopefully, Jeff Hardy didn't get hurt in this match. We'll talk about that. But this match had, I guess you could say, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess you can say a stupid-ass stipulation. I hate the whole one wrestler owns another wrestler's contract and they have to do whatever that one wrestler says. I hate that stuff. I really do. I don't like that at all. Now, unless a wrestler, say, for instance, I don't think this is the case. Maybe it is the case. Say the BCC, for instance. The BCC trains Wheeler Utah So if Yuda's like, well, they're going to train me, and I have to listen to them and do what they say, that's different. That's different. But for someone to go, I own your contract, so you have to do whatever I say, that's dumb as fuck. But if someone says, I want to be mentored by these guys, I want to be trained by these guys, I want to listen and learn from these guys and take their advice and do what they say, that's completely different. So, like, the BCC is kind of like that with Wheeler Utah. Um, Ethan Taylor in the YouTube chat says, people are dumb saying Jeff was drunk. No, Jeff was not drunk. Jeff hurt himself. Jeff went for a twist of fate and when he did, he rolled his ankle and may have broke it. I haven't heard anything from the show, but he could have broken or sprained it or something and didn't maybe feel it in the moment or or whatnot. And so when he ran up the ropes for the Whisper in the Wind, he ran up the ropes. His ankle may have given out and he just fell. He was not drunk to my knowledge. I really feel like Jeff may have Messed up his ankle. I think that's what happened. Again, not drunk. I didn't see any of those tweets or comments, so I don't know. Ethan Taylor says they played it up as just he had ring rust. Exactly. Jeff hasn't had a match in 11 months, but you can't really say ring rust for that because you have seen Jeff botch that before as far as the running up the ropes, trying to do the whisper in the wind. I'm not just talking about the one with Ginger where Ginger botched that Ginger was out of place, Jeff missed him cuz Ginger was not in place and Ginger still fell over, but that's a whole different story. Anyways, the Hardys and Hook with Brothers Zay at ringside which is they not hurt, they wouldn't I don't think they would have done and maybe it's AEW, you work hurt, you work even if you're hurt. That's a dumb culture to have, but it is. Talk about that later. Um if he really had a neck injury, I don't think they would have done or should have at least done what they did the whole clothesline, drop him on the on the floor spot. But I don't know. They say Zay is hurt. We'll, we'll take them at their word, but I don't believe it. I think he's not really hurt. Anyways, um, as far as this match does go, this is Jeff's first official match in 11 months. Hook and Austin Gunn started off the match with Austin getting a shoulder block, but posed too long with Hook locking in a leg lock. Matt and Jeff then took turns tagging in and now going after the arm before Hook hit his overhead throw on everybody in sight. The guns and Page were triple clotheslined to the floor where they rege- regrouped. And in doing so, Austin tripped up Hook and follows up the bulldog. Hook remained isolated until Page was dropped within El Camino and Matt made the hot tag. The guns and Page were planted with a side effect before a second rope elbow to Colton got a near fall. Austin and Page attacked Brother Zay on the floor, ripping his neck brace off. And then that's when they. I guess he could say clotheslined him or whatever, knocked him down. Matt then went to check on him. And Colton popped Matt with a dropkick. It was then Matt's turn to be isolated with Paige, mocking delete chance until both guns were launched outside the ring. Jeff and Hook reached for the hot tag, but were both pulled away by Colton Gunn and Ethan Page before Matt could finally get there. Finally, Matt then hit a DDT on Paige to allow Jeff to make the hot tag and run wild. Some great offense and then not some great offense. A stalling splash off the second by Jeff led to a twist of fate attempt, but it looked like Jeff may have tweaked his ankle, maybe the knee, I think more the ankle or something. And when he ran up for the whisper in the wind, as we already talked about, he slipped right on the ropes. I want to say he slipped right as he got to the top rope and just whoosh, whoosh, crashed down. Just legs gave out. Taz then immediately, which kudos on Taz. Oh, it's gotta be ring rust. It's gotta be ring rust, right? Jeff hasn't had a match in 11 months. Maybe Jeff hasn't practiced that move before coming back. Maybe Jeff just isn't fully there cardio-wise. Like, Kudos on Taz for really jumping in there in the moment like that. Jeff then hit a corkscrew kick on Page, and Hook tagged in with a fisherman suplex. Hook and Page had a nice back and forth before sinking sinking in a cross-arm breaker, but Colton made the save. Matt made a blind tag as the Hardys hit an assisted splash in the corner, but as Jeff went to the top, Austin crotched him, hit the 310 to Yuma, on Matt, but Jeff broke up the pin with a Swanton bomb. Not the only Swanton we saw tonight. Page then clobbered Hook with a big boot, but Hook avoided the ego's edge as the match broke down with the Hardys hitting double Twist of Fates on the guns. Jeff's Twist of Fates looked way more like a stone cold stunner than a Twist of Fate. Anyways, Page was left alone in the ring. He ate two Twist of Fates and the red rum submission from Hook as the Hardys and Hook picked up the victory, so I guess. Matt now owns Ethan Page. You guys know how much I hate this bullshit. I don't like that stuff at all. I'm going to own your contract. That was like back in the day. What was it? JBL owned Shawn Michaels' contract because they're supposed to think that Shawn Michaels blew all of his money and was poor and needed the money from JBL. Or like when the big show worked for, oh, what were they called? What were they called? The Authority. Because he needed the money. Yeah, no, no. Khan owns all of your asses. Because then we had something that was a nothing. The opening ceremonies for the Owen Hart Cup. This was n- eh, nothing. There was nothing here. You couldn't give me any names. You couldn't give me a bracket. All you told me was this tournament's gonna take place in Canada and end. At the greatest outdoor event of all time, of all time Stadium Stampede. Like, what? You're, you're what? Or C- Calgary Stampede. Like, what? So let, let's recap it. Renee Paquette welcomes out Dr. Martha Hart to the stage. They got both trophies and both insignificant belts. Paquette talks about the tournament kicking off at Forbidden Door. As Hart said, that it's great to be back in Las Vegas, just like they were one year ago. But the difference is, instead of wrapping up the tournament tonight... We're kicking it off. No, you're not. She then said, last year I told you to dress all fancy and this and that and da-da-da. But we're changing that up this year and we're going gangster. And I'm like, what? You're going, what? And then out came Tony Khan wearing like an old-time gangster hat. Like as far as like 50s mob mafia gangster, fedora style, whatever you want to call it. He then hugged and stood with Martha Hart. She then said something along the lines of this tournament will be wrapping up at the greatest outdoor event in history, Calgary Stampede. So is AEW doing Calgary Stampede? I want to see something. Who owns the trademark to Calgary Stampede? And again, is AEW doing Calgary Stampede? Hold on. Let me see who owns that trademark. Uh, Search all terms. Calgary. Hold on.
1: Calgary Stampede. All right, here we go. Calgary Stampede trademark
0: is owned by nobody in wrestling. The trademark is not owned in. Wait, wait, wait. There's another one. No. The term and name, Calgary Stampede, is not owned by anybody in professional wrestling. Not WWE, not AEW. Nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Now we do know that Calgary Stampede is a big rodeo thing. And yeah. But
1: okay. Sure.
0: I don't know if WW or AEW is running Calgary Stamp uh a Calgary Stampede Show this year. I don't know. Let me
1: see something. Hold on. What is this from AEW? Okay.
0: Is Calgary Stampede the name of the venue that they're gonna run? Is that why she said that? Let me see, hold on. Um Let me see, hold on. Um trying to find the I think so. I think that's the name of the venue that they're running on July 15th, which that's, wait, hold on. This makes no sense. Hold on. This makes no sense. Unless it's been moved to a, okay, it's a collision now. Okay, that does make sense. So I guess the tournament's wrapping up on an addition of Collision. In July in Calgary at the at the Calgary Stampede Saddle Dome. Okay, got it. That all makes sense now. That's the name of the building. Okay, we're good. But as far as these opening ceremonies, I wish they would have gave us maybe even a couple of names. Like here are three men, four men that are gonna be in the tournament. Here are four women that are gonna be in the tournament. More to be announced at this date. Didn't have to give us brackets. It would have been nice if you just had the entire lineups and brackets. But if they didn't want to give those tonight, they should have gave something. Because calling these opening ceremonies meant nothing. Because usually when you do opening ceremonies of something, you're also going to kick off with a bunch of info or action. And so we got none of that. We got none of that. We knew nothing. We still know nothing. So hopefully... All this will be more known on Wednesday. And then, so right before this segment, Excalibur goes, Oh, we've just got word that the unsanctioned match between Chris Jericho and Adam Cole will be kicking off the main card. And so he says that. They do the Owen Hart Cup, or as Martha called it, the Owen Hart Foundation Cup opening ceremonies. And then right after Best Friends come out. And Excalibur goes, Wait, what? Uh, I guess the Blackjack Battle Royal is opening the show. Okay. (laughs) So, he was given wrong info. And they done fucked up already at the beginning of this show. But regardless, with 10 minutes to go in the pre-show, they basically said, oh, crap. We ran out of content. Uh, We're just going to have guys come to the ring for 10 minutes. And they had all 21 guys come to the ring for 10 minutes. And the first two we see are best friends, Trent and Chuck. Then out comes Bandito with the Best Friends music still playing. Bow, best friends, best friends. And I go, oh my God, they really did do it. I thought this was just a stupid thing they were doing for the last couple of weeks. No, Bandito has just been placed as a random extra guy in Best Friends. Are you god dang kidding me right now? You could do so much more with Bandito. A former Ring of Honor world champion. And he's what in best friends? This goddamn guy should have took that WWE offer. I mean, at least he'd be in NXT, hopefully on the level of Dragon Lee right now. Like, come on. You've got to be kidding me. This is what you're doing with Bandito? You guys didn't remember. When AEW was in Fresno, I was there at that show. And Bandito wrestled Brian Danielson and got a bigger... Reaction and ovation than Danielson, and he was still a babyface at the time. Danielson, that is. This was him leading up to facing MJF for the belt. And Bandito, granted, the Fresno market is, what, 60 70% Mexican? But Bandito was the bigger star that night as far as this crowd goes. But... Just putting man do you know we're best friends? That means, oh, we signed this guy, but we have nothing for him. We don't know what to do with him. But you guys like him, so we'll we'll throw him in this random group. Yeah. It's like in New Japan when you sign somebody and go, oh, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? You're part of chaos now. You're in Bullet Club. It's it's so bad. So bad. As far as the battle royal does go, it was an okay battle royal. Wasn't bad, wasn't great, wasn't I heard that this match actually came off really, really good to the live crowd. And also, speaking of the live crowd, apparently they weren't mic'd well enough. Because a lot of times throughout this show, the crowd seemed like they were dead and not into it. So then I'd message my friend that was at the show and I go, hey, crowd tired? They dying already? He goes, no, they're hot. They're great. I go, okay, they're not mic'd well for TV. So there, there was a lot of times. When it just didn't sound good on TV, the crowd. But in this match, we had Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta, Bandito, Ari Davari, Tony Nice, Lee Moriarty, Big Bill, Commander, The Butcher, The Blade, Kip Sabian, Jay White, Juice Robinson, Dustin Rhodes, Heath Lee, Ricky Starks, Pentale, Sarah Ray Phoenix, Worf Strickland, Brian Cage, and Orange Cassidy. Sabian was immediately, t- uh, tried, immediately tried to toss horse Cassidy as we barely caught Beretta doing a moonsault to the floor. As there were still people brawling outside the ring. Like, this was weird. People start fighting outside the ring. And then, and then, Swerve didn't even get into the match till like, the halfway point, if not farther in. Like, there should be a rule. Once the bell rings, if you don't get in the match after a certain amount of time, you're just automatically eliminated, automatically disqualified. They should give you, like, three minutes, five minutes max, two minutes. And you don't get your ass in the ring, you're done. You're out. Kaputski. Anyways, a uh, commander did his breathtaking rope, walk, dive onto big bill and Lee Moriarty as Strickland and cage are shown watching on the ramp. Excalibur said that they're waiting for the field to thin out. And I go, yeah, cause that's fair. Cause that ain't some bullshit. And if swerve would have won this match, he came to final two. I would have had no faith in this. in the booking of this international championship in this company. Because that's just stupid. Like you're going to let this guy. Him and Cage. But Cage did jump in the ring I believe earlier than him. But you're going to let them just stand around. And be like eh. We don't want to enter the match yet. We wanna let you guys fight. And then we'll come later. Like really? Really? Ain't that some dumb bullshit?
1: Dumb. Dumb. Dumb.
0: Um, but, 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 but Bandito Commander, and Commander of the Lucha Bros all teamed up as Bandito hit a stalling suplex on Tony Nese, who was eliminated. Daivari was brought on the apron and punted in the face by Phoenix, who did a rope walk to get rid of both varsity athletes. Cage then started laying out people as he entered the ring, laid out all the doors before Bandito nearly pressed Cage over his head. Cage then ate multiple thrust kicks as the Lucha Bros and the Bullet Club Gold went after him before Commander tried another rope walk, but White shoved him to the floor. Who's going to tell this guy, hey, you're in a battle royal. You don't walk the ropes when it's all sketch already because you're going to get eliminated, and he did. Um, Sabian ate a triple choke slam by best friends and Cassidy who tossed him and gave the people what they wanted. Taylor was dumped by Big Bill as Cassidy low-bridged In the process, unintentionally, to eliminate his buddies. The Blade was eliminated by Lee, who was attacked from behind by Strickland. Finally getting into the match. Like, we're more than halfway through. Butcher ate a double thrust kick from the Lucha Bros to be eliminated. Moriarty was able to get rid of Bandito as Moriarty and Beretta battled on the apron. Where Beretta hit a half and half suplex to eliminate Lee. Cassidy was about to be eliminated by Big Bill. But Beretta took a bullet and ate a kick and got eliminated instead. Lee was so preoccupied on getting rid of Strickland, Cage snuck up from behind and dumped him to a chorus of loud boos. Um, Dustin Rosen laid out Cage with a crossroads, but Strickland made the save. Robinson and White then sent Penta into Phoenix to eliminate him as Starks dumped Robinson in the process. White laid out Starks, which led to a face-off with White and Penta ending in a Blade Runner from White who turned around and ate a Starks spear. White was eliminated by Starks as Robinson pulled Starks to the outside and, laid out, and was laid out by White. Starks went under the bottom rope, so he's still in. Bill, Strickland, Cage, Penta, Rhodes, and Cassidy were also still in. A surprising elimination came when Big Bill clocked Starks with the big boot and got loud boost for that elimination. Cage was dumped by Dustin, who was immediately caught with a kick by Strickland to eliminate him. The remaining four men were all in the ring, hitting some big offense until Penta tried to chop down Big Bill with yet another big boot to eliminate uh, Penta. Bill was eliminating some of the bigger names tonight, getting a good little... You know, run here in this match as he laid out Cassidy with the boss man slam. Bill went to press, press slam Cassidy over the top, but Strickland dumped him instead. Cassidy and Strickland took turns trying to dump each other until they count, until they countered DDT into a stun dog millionaire, led to a Strickland in no cell into the kill shot for a double down. Prince Nada then tripped up Cassidy at one point to allow Strickland to hit a swerve stomp. Cassidy battled back with multiple DDTs and an orange punch that sent Strickland to the apron. Strickland blocked yet another and brought Cassidy to the apron as well. As Nana ran distraction again, enough for Strickland to try one more double stomp, Cassidy got his feet up and just lightly kicked Strickland's hand off the ropes to win the match. I thought the match was good. thought it was fun. But what really took me out was the swerve stuff. Like, you could just stay out the ring, not have to enter, and then eventually get in and finish top two. I mean, top two means nothing. It's win or nothing. Like Ricky Bobby said, if you ain't first, you're last. So, that I didn't like. I didn't like the whole swerve stuff. So, we move on to the unsanctioned match. It was Adam Cole with Roderick Strong against Chris Jericho with the Jericho Appreciation Society and Sabu as a special guest enforcer. And I was corrected on Twitter. Sabu did not jump off the top rope. Sabu fell off the top rope. Now, I thought this match was really good, but I didn't like the finish. In an unsanctioned match, the contract says, no matter what happens in this match, AEW is not liable. Do whatever you want. There just must be a winner or something like that. So if that's the case, why'd the referee stop the match? Why'd the referee go, oh, Jericho's not defending himself anymore. So you win, Adam Cole, because you've knocked him out or so. I don't. That's what I didn't like about the finish finish really didn't make no sense for the unsanctioned match storyline or, or stipulation. If you're doing an unsanctioned match, then how can the referee stop the match? I get it the referee counts the uh, counts the pin or calls the submission, the tap out, the but the ref has the option to just end the match if somebody is down and out, knocked out. I I, I didn't I don't know. I didn't like the finish here though. So Sabu and Strong chucked chairs at Matt Menard and Angela Parker immediately as the match started as Sabu and Jericho had a little face-off with some chairs, swinging them at one another like Star Wars. Sabu won that battle as Cole set up a table at ringside, and Sabu then climbed to the top rope and fell off the top rope, putting Matt Menard through the table. Strong and Hager, and then Garcia and Sabu battled to the back, leaving Cole and Jericho in the ring one-on-one. So, I don't think we saw Sabu anymore, so he wasn't a special enforcer. He was just in Nam Cole's corner for a little bit. So, Jericho was sent to the outside and landed really awkwardly in the process. Cole wanted to go for a Panama sunrise on the apron, but Jericho countered into a suplex to the floor. Jericho controlled the action, cutting off Cole when he attempted to battle back. He had a chair set up in the corner, and Jericho charged and ran headfirst into it. Jericho recovered long enough to try a lion salt, but Cole hit a super kick mid move. Kind of like when he did that same thing with um, Ricochet. Ricochet did the springboard, moonsault off the ropes or whatever, and kicked him right in the middle of the, the flip. Cole again missed a Panorama Sunrise attempt, and this time countered into a Walls of Jericho. Excalibur said Since it's an unsanctioned match, there are no rope breaks. No, but the ref can just stop the match. Cole reached down under the ropes and grabbed a fire extinguisher where he sprayed Jericho to release the hold. Cole decked Jericho with the extinguisher, but only got a two off of it. Cole went to drop the boom, but ran into a code breaker for his troubles, and Jericho got a two. Jericho returned the favor by spraying Adam Cole with a fire extinguisher. Jericho then grabbed a kendo stick, but took way too long to actually use it before Britt Baker would run down with a kendo stick of her own and lit up Jericho with a kendo stick. So Rhea would then run out and took a beating from Britt as well with a kendo stick, and then Britt chased her to the back. Cole then choked Jericho with a kendo stick and then got a backstabber for it too. Cole climbed to the top, but he took too long as Jericho chucked a chair at his face and Cole fell through a table on the outside, right on cue where the fans were chanting, we want tables. Jericho then pulled out a chair and some handcuffs, which Jericho locked on to Cole's hand, and in return, Cole got the advantage and cuffed Jericho as well. Basically, this turned into a chain match, like a Russian chain match. Cole then hit a Panama Sunrise but missed the boom as Jericho whipped whipped him away with the chain. Jericho tried to choke Cole out, but Cole scaled the ropes and hit a super kick. Cole finally lowered the boom and then wrapped the chain around uh, his knee and hit another boom before mounting Jericho with punches before Aubrey Edwards just stopped the match. Just stopped it, and the crowd went dead. Like, literally, she calls for the bell, and ding, 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 and the crowd's like, oh, what happened? It's over?
1: Oh. Sure.
0: So, yeah. That was it. Match is over. More on this and the feud going forward in a little bit. So next up, we had FTR versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. And for all the hullabaloo of Hey, okay, oh, this is gonna be so great. Mark Briscoe is the referee. Or after the match, um, adding Mark Briscoe was a great call. Mark Briscoe did some things that they normally can't do because he was the referee. Really, did they? I saw nothing in this match that lead me to led me to believe that. Paul Turner couldn't have refereed this. Bryce Remsburg couldn't have refereed this. It was just a normal ref job. He did, honestly, nothing really special as the referee, to be completely honest. The Lethal and Harwood started things off with a nice opening sequence of Matt wrestling that led to a chop battle. FDR hit double drop kicks and an atomic drop, ending in an attempted double uh, double sharpshooter. But Lethal and Jarrett, failed to regroup. Excuse me. Lethal tried to have Jarrett jump in, jump in without a legal tag, but Briscoe caught them and shoved Jarrett down. Lethal was backdropped over the top to the floor onto his partner. Back inside the ring, Briscoe's attention excuse me, was turned to was turned as Wheeler was low-blowed by Jarrett, who, at first, was going to use a chair, was scolded and opted out of it. He just rammed Wheeler into the barricade repeatedly instead. Then, Jim Ross compared Sanjay Dutt's screeching at ringside to a rooster. Jarrett then took Briscoe, which allowed Karen to choke Wheeler briefly, as Jarrett did a Garvin stomp and a Fargo strut. Jarrett then locked on the figure four as Harwood had seen enough and did a diving headbutt to break it up. Wheeler finally leapfrogged Lethal to make the hot tag to Harwood, who turned Lethal inside out with a short-arm lariat. There's a nice rolling German suplex by Harwood until a series of switches led to Harwood hitting a brainbuster for a two. Lethal then battled back with lethal combination as the match broke down with Dutt, grabbing Wheeler's foot on the apron long enough for Jarrett to post him. Lethal and Harwood fought in the ropes where Lethal took way too long for his elbows as Harwood crotched him. A suplex led to a doomsday powerbomb by FTR as Wheeler hit a dive on Jarrett. And Dutt pulled Harwood to the floor to break the count. Briscoe had seen enough and kicked out Sanjay. And then eventually said, Yo, Satnam Singh, you too, you're out of here. And I'm like, Oh, they're focusing way too much on the outside people. And they kept going. Jeff Jarrett would then sneak up from behind, trying to hit Dax Harwood with the, with the guitar. And when Harwood saw it, he ducked. Mark then turns around and takes the chair to the head, referees down. Or not chair, guitar. Referee's down. Lethal then tried to go for the lethal injection, but FTR countered into a shatter machine for the visible pin. One, two, three, four. No referee to count it, though. Aubrey Edwards would then run down to the ring, trying to, I guess you could say, become the next, the new ref with Mark Briscoe down. And I liked this uh, because Sanjay got in her way and went, no, stop. She's like, whoa, what? And every time she'd try to run around him, he'd stop. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, Karen would walk up with a guitar, boom, crack Aubrey over the head with a guitar, turn, twist her ankle, and just bang Fall straight down. But as the pro Karen Jared is, get right up. Look down at Aubrey and go, yeah, I got you, bitch. I got you. Yeah, stay out of this. And him or not Satinham, Sanjay's like, yeah, yeah. So, this is nice. This is nice. Um, at the same moment, Lethal hit a double lethal injection on FTR with everybody down. Karen threw a belt too lethal as Jarrett had Harwood looking like he was going for the strut. But Harwood did break free and hit lethal with a pile driver. Jarrett then caught Harwood with a belt shot and the stroke. Not the strut, the stroke. As Dutt woke up Briscoe to make the two count. So it's like, ah, never mind. I'm not going to get into that. And a furious Jeff Jarrett started to pie-face Briscoe, slapping him until Briscoe slapped Jarrett back. Turned around into a shatter machine and then Mark counted the pin one, two, three, F T R retained the titles. So there we go. There we go. What was the, what was the need for Mark Briscoe to even be the referee? I get it in storyline, it makes sense ish. Was it really needed? Was it? Everybody praising oh my god, Mark Briscoe is the referee. That that, that helped the match so much. That this, that, that. Did it really? Because I saw nothing here that I hadn't seen from an Aubrey Edwards ref job. Multiple times. So they send it to the back. Alex Marvez and Ricky Stark. Who was asked about Bullet Club Gold. And right on cue, boom. They attack Stark. But then out of nowhere, FTR come running in. They grab Ricky and they're like, we got you. We got you. You're going to be okay. Come with us. And that was it. I don't know why FTR's got to get involved with the whole Ricky Bullet Club stuff. It's, I don't know. I least they're done with the Mark Briscoe Story? Uh cool. So in the back to go, um, we're hearing there's a bit of a commotion going on backstage with Chris Jericho. I think we got cameras on scene. Yes, we do. We're gonna send it there right now. So we send it, and Jericho's throwing a fit. He's got Soraya there next to him, and he's like, This is blasphemy. This is bullshit. I'm demanding that Tony Khan give us what we want. We want a mixed tag team match. This Wednesday on Dynamite against Britt Baker and Adam Cole. And Soraya starts yelling. She goes, yeah, Britt, you bitch. You think you can go and get involved? And then a random security guy shows up and was like, you need to calm down. Hey, we can't have this. And Jericho like flips the table, goes out of frame, comes back and throws the fireball. Looks at the end and goes, hey, I'm still a wizard. So there we go. Through the fireball, and he's through the fireball, and he's still a wizard. So then we had the cage, or not the cage match. Well, cage was in this match, but we had the ladder match for the TNT Championship. It was Wardlow, and it was Christian Cage. Arn Anderson got involved. Luchasaurus got involved. I wasn't the biggest fan of this match. If I'm going to be completely honest, I thought this match suffered from a lot of just spot, spot, get to the next spot, spot, get to the next spot kind of thing I mean Wardlow tried to be Jeff Hardy Wrestlemania 2000, Wrestlemania 33 every other time Jeff Hardy jumped off of a 20 foot ladder over on a table man, I must say right now, Wardlow's so lucky that they had two tables set up because he overshot that first one kinda and would've died if they didn't have that second table there Also, some of this felt a little rushed as well. Cage told Luchasaurus to go to the back during their entrance, as Anderson then did the same. It was a game of power versus speed early on, as Wardlow ran through Cage with a shoulder tackle and powered out of a kill switch attempt. Wardlow tried bringing in a ladder, but Cage hit a baseball slide and tried a slingshot dive, only to eat a ladder straight to the face as he's in midair going to the floor. With Cage down, Wardlow set up multiple tables and was going to try for a massive swanton through them, but Cage bailed. With a ladder bridge set up, both men started standing on it. Cage then was able to crotch Wardlow and slingshot him into the ladder and then back into the ring. Cage started to climb the ladder, but Wardlow shoved him off the the mat. Wardlow then wanted to go for a powerbomb, but Cage wiggled free, climbed the ladder, but was caught into a slam. Wardlow delivered a pretty great-looking spinning gorilla press slam on Cage as he rolled to the floor. Wardlow then went to climb, but Luchasaurus would hit the ring right on cue, shoving Cage back, right down, and then hit a reverse EAT off the ladder. Cage tried to charge, but Wardlow caught him in a slam on the ladder. Wardlow then placed Cage on the ladder and went for a swanton, but crashed and burned. Cage climbed the ladder as Arn Will then run out to help Wardlow. Will not run out, but trot down as fast as he could. He leapt off, uh, he leapt off the top onto the ladder, and it collapsed. Wardlow did it as well. Or Wardlow did. Wardlow was then limping pretty badly. Not sure if he really injured himself, because moments later he was not limping. But at first, he like grabbed his shin like he may have cracked it. And then after a moment or so, maybe a minute, he seemed fine. So he goes to climb this broken ass ladder. The referee goes to grab the ladder and goes, I, I, I shouldn't hold this for you. He literally says, You should grab another ladder. I shouldn't have to hold it or something like that. Wardlow tries to grab another ladder, but immediately here comes Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus choke slams Wardlow twice, and then Arn Anderson comes in to make the save, nearly gets choke slammed, and instead bites off the thumb of Luchasaurus. I've seen it all in this goddamn company. Like, what? What? You gotta be kidding me. He bit... Like, not the finger all the way off, but from, like, the knuckle up all of the the skin. And it's just exposed guts and finger. This is stupid, stupid, stupid. I think it was JR later was like, oh, I didn't expect to see... Arn Anderson out here looking like a zombie. It was later, his mouth is all crusted over, and he's got blood coming out of it. Well, regardless, Arn bit his finger off basically. And Wardlow then took out Luchasaurus with a chair and set him up on the tables. Wardlow then basically climbed a twenty-foot ladder with Arn holding it down, did a Jeff Hardy pose and everything, and then did a swanton off of the chair or ladder. On to Luchasaurus, who was on one table. So, there's table here, table here. Source is on this table, right? Wardlow does the swanton, but basically barely hits Luchasaurus enough to break his table, but then crashes right through the majority of the other table. So, that other table wasn't set up. Oh, ah, Wardlow would have been very badly hurt. Cage then slowly started to climb a ladder in the ring, but Anderson and Wardlow got in, and Anderson swung Cage's leg off the ladder, and Wardlow caught him in a super power bomb. Wardlow then climbed, grabbed the belt, and retained the title. So there we go. Wardlow, still TNT champion. Then they showed Orn, and he was face was all bloody from biting Luchasaurus's finger off. So... Then we had a match for the AW Women's World Championship. It was Jamie Hayter defending against Tony Storm that I feel like Jamie's way more hurt than we know, or that they're leading on about, and so she really couldn't do anything in this match. And this match didn't last long. And Tony just beat her. I'm gonna see something. What does Wikipedia have for the time of this match?
1: Three minutes this match
0: went Three minutes. So, Tony Storm makes her way out to the ring, and then Jamie Hayter's music plays. Jamie never comes out. Jamie's music plays again, and we see Jamie crawling out. Then, Soraya and Ruby Soho are seen chasing after her, beating her down, all the way down the ramp. Before she can get in the ring, Tony Storm jumps out of the ring and slams her. Slams her right into the ring steps, injuring her further. Um, they finally get into the ring as Paul Turner asks if Hayter can go. She says, yes. And the match begins. Threa immediately unties the corner turnbuckle pad and the referee just watched her do it. Again, more interference. AEW's pay-per-view crutch. They love to do outsider interference in almost every pay-per-view match. So, ref did nothing here. Rip Baker then ran down started a brawl with Soraya as Hader tossed Storm into the corner where Turner was with Solo or Soho. Hader then got a near fall on Storm, who then took the ref to allow Soho to spray Jamie Hader in the face with a with paint. Storm then hit the sweet cheek music and got a two off of it. Karoshida would then run down with a kendo stick and hit Ruby Soho in the back. They then brawled around ringside. Hader then sent Storm into the exposed turnbuckle and hit the Haderade. But it was on the bad arm. and She couldn't follow up to go for the pin. Thus, getting a two count eventually. Then, Hader tried another. But there was a really super awkward looking spot where she hit the exposed buckle. Storm then all of a sudden just hits the Storm zero and pins her one, two, three. Like, like this match didn't even gets started and it's already over. So, for all we know, Jamie Hayter is way more hurt than we know. Way worse off than we know. And that's why she couldn't really do much. That's why this match needed to be three minutes and have a lot of smoke and mirrors. Because I guess Jamie Hayter can't do anything. And Here's what I'm going to say. If she's that hurt, if she's that injured, if she can't go, but you're going to throw her out there anyways, don't do the goddamn match. Tony Khan and them in AE, those in AEW have cultivated a very bad environment and culture around being hurt. They've, from what we have seen, they basically like, oh, you're hurt? You still need to work your match. Oh, you're hurt? No. You're going to do it, or we're going to talk shit about you on TV. We're going to make it known that you, and I'm not just talking Thunder Rosa. They've done this with others as well, where someone got hurt, and it's like, oh, I can't go. And they're like, ah, you say Yeah. We see it a lot where people get hurt in AEW. CM Punk talked about this. CM Punk basically said that he was not cleared to have the Moxley match last summer, yet Tony basically told him, Oh, yeah, that's fine. You're not cleared. We can still do it. It could be a quick match if you want, but we're, we're, we still need to do it. Tony has cultivated a culture backstage where you're hurt? Ah, that's fine. You can walk? You can get down to the ring, you can do your match still. I hate that. I don't like that. That shouldn't be the case. For all the crap Vince McMahon ever got, at least in the last couple of years, if someone was any kind of hurt at all, you don't work. Except are Cody Rhodes. That was like the one exception because because of the nature of Cody's injury. Where basically the ref or the doctor said, Yeah, Cody can go do the match. You might be limited. But he can't get hurt any worse than he is. That was the thing with Cody. Cody's injury was already so bad that he couldn't have made it any worse. Well, we've seen plenty of times somebody gets hurt in WWE. They ain't working. It's a legit real injury. They ain't working. Cody's broken arm. That ain't real. That's why he worked the Brock match. Not a real injury. So, We've seen it so many times. Britt Baker wrestled for almost a good six months to a year with a cast because she had a broken wrist that wasn't fully healed.
1: Take more goddamn time off.
0: Don't risk making it worse. Like I said, Punk had the foot injury last year. He told Tony, I'm not cleared. I'm not fully healed. And Tony goes, that's fine. We can just make it like a three-minute squash and you don't got to do anything. What? No. No. That's not looking out for the well-being of your talent. That's not what it is at all. It's, well, we booked this match. We advertised this match. We got to give the fans what they want, what they paid for, what they expect. That's not the right culture and thing. It's just not the right way to do it, in my opinion. This ain't the 80s and the 90s. Where that was the culture of, eh, you're hurt, you're work anyways. 70s, 80s, and 90s, that was the thing. You're hurt, suck it up, buttercup. So, yeah, like if you're just like nagging injury, your shoulder's bugging you, but you could still go, it's not like whatever, that's different. That's different. Claudio wrestled with a bum shoulder for a long time. He just put the rock tape on it. And it's like, okay, whatever. But... If you're hurt to the point where you're going to only be able to do like three things in your match because you're that hurt, this match is going to go three minutes, don't do the match. We would understand if you're hurt, don't risk getting more hurt. Sammy Zayn, tore his
1: rotator cuff just doing this.
0: So, yeah. Anything can happen. Kevin Nash tore a quad walking in the ring. Tyson kid TJ Wilson last year wanted to be a surprise in the Royal Rumble saying, I just want to come out, get in the ring, do one spot and be it. You can eliminate me after And Vince said, no, your neck is so bad that you're never wrestling again. And not even going to walk down to the ring just in case something happens for all like for all, you know, Tyson Kidd can go down there. Huge pop because he's going to be in the Royal rumble. The Steps are are slick. The steps are wet. The steps, steps are slippery slips, paralyzed neck hurt even worse. And Vince told him, no, we're not going to risk anything because we've seen guys get hurt. Just walking, just throwing up their arms, doing the mundane things that they do every single night. So it's like, you never know where and when an injury can come. And especially if you're already hurt, that just makes things even more worse and more prevalent and more, it makes yourself more subs. What's the word I'm looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? More, uh, more susceptible to getting further hurt. Well, I was not a fan of this match happening if what we're thinking is true, that Jamie Hayter was so hurt that she had to drop the belt and she couldn't do the match. I mean, they did it with, I, I get it, they probably don't want to do it twice in less than a year. Oh, the women's champion's hurt, she can't compete, she's got to vacate the belt. They probably just didn't want to do that twice in a year. But again, still bad, bad mentality to have on your roster. So well, then, we have the House of Black in a House of Black or the House Rules Open Challenge. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't watch Rampage, so I could be wrong here. But didn't they set this match up on the um, Rampage show for it to be the acclaimed and Billy Gunn challenging for the trio's titles? Like, coming out of the spoilers for Rampage, the big headline was, Trios championship match set up for Friday or set up on Friday's Rampage. The Acclaimed and Billy Gunn make it known that they will be challenging for the, the uh, Trios titles on Rampage or on Double or Nothing on Rampage. So then when the House of Black come out, they're all shocked and surprised. They're like, oh, who's going to take up the challenge? Who's going to take up the open challenge? Oh my God, it's the Acclaimed and Billy Gunn. Like you didn't know. We've all known. How did they not? I like Max Castor's rap, though. So he comes down to the ring and he's like, "Listen, listen," and he he calls Brody King, someone who was a reject on RuPaul's Drag Race. He says, How, uh, "Malachi Black, trying to have blackface, and Buddy is out here trying to be all ominous." but is being cucked by a kid named Dominic. He then said something along the lines of, they didn't need a dealer's choice option. We'll take you on with anything. And then he said, you call yourself House of Black, but there ain't even a black guy in your group or something like that. And I go, last name is Black, idiot. <laughs> Anyways. They did the kaleidoscope lights again for this match. But this match, did have an evenly opened opening sequence with Bowens and Black both sitting cross-legged until Matthews made the tag and went after the arm. Caster was able to get the tag and hit a back suplex on uh, on the side of the apron for a 2. Caster and Black collided as King made the tag and leveled Caster with a the lariat. They claimed were able to fight off Black in their corner and tried to scissor me timbers which Black countered into a leg lock. Caster and Gunn were beaten Beating each other up on the floor. As King, they were beat up on the floor. As King hit a charging crossbody against the barricade on gun. Bowens tried fighting back with forearm, a, fore, a Fireman's carry into a neck breaker. Um, but Bowens collapsed as his knee was hurt, it seemed like. With Castor and gun down, there's no one to tag. As Black locked into their leg lock, tagged Matthews, who hit a meteora. King connected with a senton, and Taz said it was like a bathtub falling on you, which is kind of a great description of it. Bones was isolated for quite a long time until he fought off Dante's Inferno, low-bridged King, and sent Matthews and Black outside. Finally, hitting Matthews with a thrust kick to make Gun the hot get Gun the hot tag. Gun then ran wild with splashes, a tilt to whirl slam and the one and only finishing move on Black before dropping King on his head with the Famouser. Matthew's an A to Famouser through the ropes, but as Gunn turned around, Black hit him with a black mass and pinned him to pick up the victory. So, um, Fonzie said, no, wasn't Fonzie. Uh, Ethan says in the YouTube chat, they implied it, but never showed the graphic with the acclaimed. Right. The graphic they kept showing on social media and stuff was just, Open challenge, open challenge, open challenge. But it's like, okay, they implied it. But, like, we all knew that was the match. So, I don't know. The match was fun. The match was good. But they've really cooled off the Acclaimed. The Acclaimed do not seem like the big act that they were six months ago. They do not seem like some of the most popular guys in this company at all anymore. Which is a Huge shame. A uh, huge shame. So, House Black, still the champions. As we move forward, we have Jade Cargill versus Taya Valkyrie for the TBS
1: Championship. One second. For some reason the Twitch poll's not working right, so let me reset that. All right. Didn't... Like, yeah, there we go. Now the Twitch poll should be working. Yeah, there we go. There we go.
0: Um, so here we go. As far as the TBS title match does go, this match did go. See, so last match went 15 minutes. This match went eight, almost nine. So Cargill did some dance with, I guess, members of her old sorority. Cool. Valkyrie and Cargill had an early face-off, with Valkyrie getting the upper hand with a sliding lariat. Cargill tried to regroup with Mark Sterling, but was flattened by a diving Valkyrie off the top. That allowed uh, Cargill to clock Valkyrie with a pump kick and gain control. Calgary then battled back momentarily with a sliding German suplex through the ropes, but Cargill responded with a suplex on the floor. Back inside, Cargill planted Valkyrie with a spine buster for a near fall and draped Valkyrie throat first over the barricade to the outside. Valkyrie then battled back with a series of lariats in the ring, but Cargill did the same with a short-arm lariat of her own. Cargill then went for the sleeper, but Valkyrie quickly countered into a blue (laughs) thunderbomb. Cargill attempted a springboard attack, but Valkyrie hit a double knee right to the sternum, almost like a lung blower variation. Valkyrie then tried, uh, tied up Cargill's leg and hit a nasty curb stomp for a two as Gray jumped on the apron and immediately got kicked to the floor. Valkyrie connected with the spear and a road to Valhalla, but Cargill managed to kick out, which really shocked the fans here. Valkyrie then went for another attack, but Cargill kicked her in the face and hit the jaded to pick up the win and get win number sixty. She's sixty and oh. So after the match, Mark Sterling grabs the mic and says, Okay. Now what? Jade's beaten everybody. There's nobody left for Jade to fight. But Jade's still going to defend this title. Anywhere. Anytime. Again, against who though? There's nobody left. All of a sudden music plays and I'm not sure who it is. Not sure who it is. They then show the screen on the Titan Tron. We're still not sure who it is. And then out walks the returning Chris Statlander. Chris Statlander then runs to the ring. Apparently, we just get a TBS title match out of nowhere. And I love, so this match goes 48 seconds. But within that 48 seconds, Tony Schiavone yells, Mark Sterling's over here yelling at us asking, who sanctioned this match? Well, you sanction this match? <laughs> I like that a lot, but he's right. This match never actually got made official by like Tony Khan or anything. So is it Jade's allowed to just say, or Sterling's allowed to just say, Oh, we're gonna defend the title now. But he didn't. He said, we'll we'll defend the title anywhere, anytime. Right. But do they have to agree to he didn't say that they didn't have to? I don't know. I'm nitpicking. Anyways, Cargill misses a pump kick and Statlander hits a roundhouse kick, a corner charge with a knee lift and an attempt of a stalling vertical suplex with Cargill did escape. Cargill hit a pump kick and tried to go for the jaded, but Sterling or Star Statlander reversed into a never fever a night fever. And pinned jade to pick up the victory so there we go jade makes it to 60 but now she's 60 and one and no longer the tbs champion confetti flies in the t-mobile arena as we now have our second ever tbs champion in chris statlander they mentioned how chris statlander has been gone for a while battling her whatever many injuries this is she's been dealing with numerous injuries Chris Statlander finally gets her moment. There we go. Now, my question is, how long has this been the plan as far as Chris Statlander becoming TBS champion? Was it the plan before she got hurt? Was the plan always to wait for Jade to get to 60 and then Statlander win the belt or what? I don't know. Was well, if Statlander was supposed to win the belt months ago, Jade wouldn't have got to 60. What would she have gotten
1: to would be the question.
0: So then, they start running a video, hyping up the world title match, the four-way. And I'm like, okay, Anarchy in the Arena is closing the show. That's interesting. It's not the title match, the world title. Like Tony Khan always says, it's tradition. The world title goes on last. Well, not tonight. And... Actually, I'll save some comments about this match not going on last for... After I talk about the match. So all the different. Participants are coming down to the ring. Jungle Boy comes down to the ring. Sammy then comes out with Ty. Ty Conti, And they got the cue cards. And I go oh my god. What the hell are we doing here? And so the first cue card says. It is time for a big match. And I think it was Shabani's like "Yep, Yeah. We got a big match here. And he pulls the cue card. And he goes. But first. And I'm like. First, what? And they show Jungle Boy in the ring like, come on, what are we doing? Let's get this going. And I'm like, this is kind of dumb. They're like stalling, wasting time. Then it becomes awesome. He Pulls the cue card, and the last cue card says, we're having a baby. woo buddy. Ty Mello is pregnant. Ty Mello and Sammy Guevara are going to be parents. That's really cool. And that was a cool way to announce the pregnancy, at least to the public. In a way that ties back into one of Sammy's old little gimmicks. I liked that. I thought it was corny and dumb at first. I'm like, why are we doing this during the entrance? But then it all made sense in the end. He kisses his bride. He then kisses her belly and makes his way to the ring. <laughs> and Excalibur goes, well, that's why we haven't seen her in a while. It's been a minute since Ty Mello's had a match or bit on television. And now we know why. When was her last match? Ty Mello's last match was, and we don't know. When she found out she was pregnant, how long she knows she's been, you know, she's known she was pregnant. But she hasn't worked a match since the end of March. Well, I don't know how long she's known or they've known. I don't know how far in and far along they are. But if it's been since April, maybe they've known for about a month and a half. And sometimes when you get pregnant, you want to wait about four weeks before you really tell many people for the unfortunateness of a possible miscarriage like what happened with carmel and Corey graves twice last year they got pregnant twice they had two miscarriages then they got pregnant again and they waited like four weeks or so or three weeks i think it was and then they announced it to the public so a lot of people like to do that not really tell a lot of people early in the pregnancy just in case something happens and they do end up losing the baby but yeah Congratulations on them. They had uh, pictures of the sonograms on the the last cue card and everything. So that's very, very cool that they got to announce it that way on a great big stage. Darby then has a weird-ass wedding video entrance. I don't even know. He's getting married at, I don't know if it's a Little White Chapel or not. That's the most famous one in Vegas. But there's an Elvis impersonator as the officiant. And he beats up someone with an MJF mask on. And then Alan and the king tape up the guy as Alan ro- rode into the arena wearing an Elvis jumpsuit, which is half-skeleton painted. And, yeah, cool. I uh, don't understand why we needed this. Then MJF gets a big entrance. Lights go out. And we hear, like, an orchestra playing his music. In- his, his music. na na Ba-na-na, 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 right, which if you guys didn't know, MJF's music was literally just taken from the YouTube free music library, like legit. So then the lights spotlight hits the top of the ramp, and MJF is on like a uh, freaking car lift kind of deal, like you see in a in a shop where it's just cylinder up. And he's sitting on a throne and it's coming down. It's coming down. And then his music plays for regular once it gets to the bottom. And he walks down the ramp and there's these girls dressed like they're from the Olymp- Olympus era, like, you know, like Zeus and Hercules era time from Greece or whatever. And they're on their knees and they're like, oh, MJF, oh, oh. And they're like, begging for his attention, and he just walks right past them and comes down to the ring. So, MJF gets a special entrance. Darby gets a special entrance. I and Sammy get a special entrance. And then what happens? Younger boy just comes out. Oh, 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 oh. Same random-ass entrance as always. Telling us, well, MJF's the star we see a lot in Sammy and, and Darby, or at least Darby to give him a special entrance with the pre tape video. But Jungle Boy just walks out like normal. Oh, oh, oh. Do, 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 like, what? Ah, come on. Can you make Jungle Boy look like the low man on the totem pole here any more than he did? So far, this match does go. A lot happened in this match. There's a lot of spots in this match. There's a lot of false finishes in this match. There's a lot going on. So MJF took the early powder, saying this was on, uh, say this was on his time, but was quickly beaten up by all four men. He's then eventually thrown to the floor. Um, Perry, uh, as Guevara, Perry, and Allen all went at it, kipping up at the same time. Perry did a double springboard arm drag to send Allen and Guevara to the outside, but MJF turned Perry inside out with a lariat. MJF teased a dive, but opted for the Fargo strut instead and a Rick Wood, Rick Rude hip swivel. Woo, buddy! Allen then hit a dive on MJF on the floor as Perry followed up with three dives in a succession of his own. This then left uh, Guevara, who hit his wild shooting star press from the top rope to the floor. And then there was a Tower of Doom spot that led to everyone just mowing down MJF. Perry got a two off of a Poison Rana on Guevara, while Allen hit a full-steam corner charge on Perry and MJF, who hit a float-over stunner and a side headlock on MJF for a two to follow up with the story. Guevara then flipped off the apron to the floor, landing on his feet. He caught Perry with a thrust kick and laid out Allen with a, corner mid, a cutter mid-dive. Guevara then laid out MJF with a standing Spanish Fly, and a top rope frog splash, but MJF kicked out to chance of Sammy for the crowd. from the crowd. MJF stacked Guevara with a powerbomb and nearly got a side headlock on Allen, followed by dropping Allen right on his head with a driver for a two. MJF then spat on Allen as all four men started hitting high-impact moves, leading to a quadruple down, I guess you can call it, because all men were just knocked out. Allen, Guevara, and Perry then all hit moves on their... Uh, from their mentors, Scorpion Death Drop, Code Breaker, and a Kill Switch, leading to MJF hitting the crossroads. And they mentioned that was a move of somebody that MJF looked up to early on in his career, but wouldn't say Cody Rhodes. He had a two count on Jungle Boy after the crossroads. MJF then took the microphone and said, Hey, Sammy, I saw your uh, little cue cards. Congratulations on the baby, but uh, you're going to need some money. So how about you lay down and let me pin you, and I'll still give you that check. And Sammy's like, you know what? I will lie down and take your money. So he lies down, but as MJF goes to pin him, he grabs MJF and rolls him up really quick and gets a two off of it. MJF does block a GTH attempt, tried to go for the salt of the earth, but Guevara would counter into a walls of Jericho. Perry then went to break it up, but Allen sank in a scorpion death drop. MJF was going to tap, but Perry stomped him. All four pillars then had submissions applied at the same time, and this was kind of weird looking, but whatever. Um, MJF, uh, where was it? All submissions at the same time before MJF broke things up. This then led to three destroyers in a row as Perry used Guevara and Alan's back has launch pads, to hit a perfect destroyer on MJF for a two. Perry then hit a Tiger Driver on Guevara, but Allen launched Perry into the barricade, got a head start, and tackled both Perry and MJF into the crowd. Guevara then cut off Allen, climbing the top, uh, to the top rope, and hit a, a big old Spanish fly on MJF and Perry, who were on the floor, to a loud holy shit chants from the crowd. With everyone back inside the ring, all four men slugged it out, and chops and forearms ensued until MJF poked. All three men in the eye, basically. Guevara answered with a springboard cutter, Allen with a code red, and Perry with a charging forearm on MJF as all three took turns trying to get the pin. Crazy series of innovative near-falls brought the fans to their feet until Guevara spiked Perry with an implant DDT. Allen then hit another code red and went for a coffin drop, but MJF crotched him. MJF hit a perfect blonde bombshell powerbomb off the top as a tribute to Chris Candido. But Darby did kick out. Guevara connected with the cutter off the ropes and Perry, who rolled to the floor, as MJF had a low blow on Guevara and pulled out the diamond ring. But he couldn't use the diamond ring because Darby hit him in the back of the head with the skateboard and then demolished him with a coffin drop. He applied a side side headlock takeover, but Perry broke up the pin. Perry and Allen then collided in the middle of the ring as MJF tried to hit Perry with the AEW championship as Guevara tackled MJF to the outside. Me, to the outside, Perry was left holding the title and debated hitting Darby with it. And he then threw it away to a chorus of booze from the crowd, going "boo!" You should use the bell. Boo! And then it nearly gets rolled up for not really doing anything. Guevara then hit a GTH on Perry, but was launched outside by Allen, who hit a coffin drop only for MJF to put the title on Perry prior to it happening basically. He hits the coffin drop but lands on the belt. MJF then rolls up Darby with a side headlock takeover. Well, actually hits side lock takeover, headlock takeover and pins him to pick up the victory. Well, there we go. MJF retains the belt. And I kind of liked the finish. Darby goes for the move. But because Darby's back is turned, because he, he does the jumping moth backwards thing, he doesn't see MJF slide the title onto Jungle Boy. And then he boom. There we go. So yeah. Good match. A lot of spots, which kind of overshadow things at some points. But I will say, one thing I liked about this match most was no outside interference, unlike almost every other match tonight. Just like our main event. Before we get to that, there was a press conference, a media scrum, as you might call it. And MJF was asked, so what are your thoughts on not main eventing? What are your thoughts on the world title match not going on last? And MJF goes, I'm fine with that because I didn't want to have to roll around in the mat in, M- or in uh, John Moxley's blood. I love that. I love that. Where he, he just basically was like, "Ah, I've, I would have had to be, you know, I didn't want to roll around on that mat with Moxley's blood all over it. So I'm fine with it. <laughs> so that was fun. I thought that was funny as, as heck. So they've had big expectations on this match. They put very big expectations on this match with Moxley's promo on Wednesday going. If you guys think you've seen a lot of blood here, if you've been squeamish before, well, that's nothing compared to what you're going to see this weekend in anarchy in the arena. That's nothing compared to what, how much blood you're going to see and da 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 And I'm like, okay, cool. Everyone's going to bleed. A lot of people are going to bleed. There's going to be a lot of blood. And there really wasn't. There was not a lot of blood at all. Like, way less blood than I expected. Way less violence than I expected. This was just a match where people were brawling all over. It was hard to kind of keep track of what was going on at times, just like last year's match that I didn't like. And I liked this one more, but I still wouldn't say I'm a fan of it. I thought it was all right. I thought it was fun at times. But it ain't winning no awards, no nothing. It ain't winning no great match award it's just a bunch of guys brawling to brawl for brawl's sake. And eventually someone gets taken down and pinned. And I will say, I will say, I will say, Tony Khan, good job on picking Wheeler Yuda to pin Kenny Omega at the end of this match. I really, really love that, that Wheeler, Wheeler Yuda is the one that got the pin and won the match for the BCC not pinning Matt Jackson, not pinning Nick Jackson, not even pinning Hangman. No, pinning Kenny. Bogod Omega. As far as the match goes, a band that they said was Violent Idols, saying "Wild Thing" as the BCC walked down to the ring. They only got about halfway before, well, the Elite jumped the barricade and charged at them in the crowd, and then the band just kept playing "Wild Thing." You make my heart sing. You make everything. And I'm like, oh, they're just going to keep going. And this is very annoying, very distracting, because they've got the music from the, from the band almost louder than the, the announcers, almost louder than commentary. You almost can't even hear Caliber Taz and, and Tony Schiavone for a while. I don't know what the, who this band is. I guess they're called Violent Idols. Kill. Whatever. Never heard of them. So Nick and you pair off Matt and Claudio pair off Paige and Danielson pair off and Omega and Moxley all pair off early on as Don Callis just popped up and joined commentary. Referee Rick Knox was clobbered at ringside and technically was the first person to bleed, but didn't really see much of him bleeding. They just told us he bled and I honestly missed it until they said it. And didn't see any more of him. Anyways, Page laid out Danielson with a buckshot lariat and took the eye patch off, throwing it to Danielson, and then stock, stocked him down with a screwdriver before Yuta chop blocked him. Page then was beaten up four on one until the Bucks and Omega made the save. The Elite then poured down punches in all four corners, following super, followed by super kicks. There was a, quadru, a quadruple tope suicida by the Elite as Moxley is now bleeding, which, of course, is the norm for a Moxley match. I'm shocked it took him three, four minutes before we saw him bleeding. Match then spills up the ramp as the Bucks laid out the lead singer of the of the band playing about five or six minutes in. The Bucks then both dove off the ramp onto Claudio and Wheeler. While back in the ring, Omega and Moxley beat each other up with parts of the announce table. Matt Jackson hit a rolling Northern Light suplexes on Yuta down the ramp before Nick leapt both of leapt over both of them onto Claudio Castagnoli. Yuta was powerbombed on the edge of the ring while Moxley was beaten up by Omega and Page until Page accidentally booted Omega. Claudio and Matt fought into the stands as Moxley launched Omega into a giant, uh, giant poker chip, which was a cool callback to the first Double or Nothing. And I think it's been there for everyone, but I remember for sure the first one and one of the Daily's Place ones. There was a poker chip also covered in barbed wire, and Moxley has Snapdragon on Omega onto it. On one side of the screen, we see Moxley, who was stabbing Omega in the face with a fork, while on the other side, Claudio was doing a giant swing in the concessions area to Matt Jackson. Moxley then had a sleeper on Omega, who fell back onto the barbed wire. Nick Jackson and Paige are also seen bleeding. Not a lot, though, as the BCC are taking turns picking apart Page, while Claudio and Matt fought outside of the building, Moxley hit a brainbuster on the chair on or on a chair on Nick, while Danielson somehow found a leaf blower to bring into the ring. Page was able to hit a dead eye on Moxley on the apron as Omega, wearing a wearing a Captain America trunk, started wielding a trash can lid like Captain America's shield, and while well, Claudio just kind of kicked it out of his hand. Nick made a comeback until Moxley hit a King Kong Lariat and a pile driver for a two. Nick was locked into Boston Crab and a cross face by Moxley and Utah until Matt limped down to the ring after being pile driven into a bed of a bed of a pickup truck. Matt hit an exploding super kick on Moxley, which well, yeah, you heard that right. An exploding super kick where he super kicked Moxley in the face and poof explosion went off, which was a better explosion than every explosion in the exploding barbed wire match we saw, what, a year? year and a half ago or so? Matt then had his... Uh, no, 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 where was it? Uh, Paige hit a buckshot on Yuda, and Matt had his shoe taken off as Moxley brought in a bunch of thumbtacks and dropped Matt's bare foot. It looks, it looks like it hurt. Right on the thumbtacks. And then hit a death rider. Nick tried to save his brother, but was hit with a cutter into the tacks. Claudio tried a Ricola bomb on Omega, who flattened or floated through and hit a V-trigger. Danielson charged into a Busaku knee, uh, in with a Busaku knee on both Omega and Page before the BCC hit stereo anvil elbows on the, on the Elite. Mathen had tacks placed in his mouth, and Claudio uppercutted him right in the face as Yuta hit a German suplex for a two. Omega and Page rose up, realized that they are outnumbered, but brought out the challengers. Uh, fought off the challengers until Page hit Danielson with a Dead Eye and Omega with a One Winged Angel, but Yuta broke it up and made the save. Omega and Page hit rolling offense on Yuta as Page and Omega wanted double buck shots, but Callis handed Yuta a screwdriver and hit Page in the head with it. He was to go hit Moxley with it or Omega with it, and Omega kind of got him up on his shoulders for the One Winged Angel. Callis then jumps in the ring and you hear the referee go, "Don, get out of the ring!" And because of that, Moxley drops down Wheeler Yuta and turns around to see Don face-to-face. All of a sudden, a masked man would jump in the ring and hit Omega with a huge leaping knee. This then led to Wheeler Yuta getting a seatbelt pin on omega one two three, picking up the victory. The masked man then pulls off his mask and reveals that it is none other than Kanosuke Takeshita. Takeshita. Helped Don Callis and the BCC win this match. And then commentary had the big question of, what does this mean? Are Don and Takeshita part of the BCC? Good question to ask. We don't know. And then they're like, well, hopefully we figure all this out and learn more on Wednesday. We'll see you Wednesday for Dynamite. There we go. Before all that, or before they cut off, as far as cut the show off the air, Callis took off his belt. And choked Omega with him. There we go. That was anarchy in the arena. And that was AEW Double or Nothing. Then the show ends. And Omega cuts a promo afterwards. As everybody else has left the ring. Omega basically told the fans. That now they're outnumbered. But he's got a couple of friends that are not here in AEW. That he can bring in to even the odds. Who could those friends be? I bet you one that we're all probably thinking, Ibushi, because we hear a couple fans start yelling, Ibushi, Ibushi, Ibushi. So maybe that's one of them. But who could the other one be? Who could the other friend of him? Because it's like I've got one, maybe two friends that can come help even the odds. Who? Again, one most likely Koto Ibushi. But who can the other one be? I'm really not sure. But what for Fee,
1: who, and when?
0: Either or both of those men do possibly show up. But with that, that was AEW Double or Nothing. Overall, pretty good show, I would have to say. But now you know what I thought of the show. Now it's time to hear what you guys thought of tonight's AEW. With that, we're going to go to the polls. Let's refresh all of these. As far as the Twitch poll does go, 75% liked the show, 25% didn't like tonight's show. As far as the Twitter poll does go, 58% liked the show, 25% didn't, and 16% thought it was just all right. As far as the YouTube community poll does go, 57% liked the show, 29% thought it was just all right. And 14% did not like it. Some of the comments here. Uh, This person says, The last three matches saved the show. Last three. The Jade match? Well, I guess the Statlander win. Person says, Glad to see Chris Statlander back and the new TBS champion. Person says, Double or Nothing was alright. Person says, It was a half-empty arena. Was it? Because I knew they were having trouble selling tickets. Hold on. I'm going to look something up. Double or nothing. Arena.
1: Let's see. Hold on. Um, I wouldn't call this half empty. Well, hmm.
0: most of the lower bowl is full, right? But a lot of the upper deck is empty. A lot of the upper deck, upper deck is empty. So if from this one picture I saw... See if I can find another picture. Um,
1: oh, whoa. When, when?
0: Okay, hold on. What time was this video posted? Because I'm not going to say. Oh, this is before the show even started. Okay. So if you saw any like super empty shots, because there's one video here I see where the place looks dead empty. The show hadn't even started yet. Let me see if I can find anything else really quickly, really quickly, really quickly. Um ba um
1: Okay, here we go. Let's see. Oh wait, wait, wait. Can we get another shot of the other
0: side? So yeah, no. The lower bowl area, ninety percent of that seems full, but it's the upper deck, and everything I'm seeing looked
1: quite sparse.
0: So well, if you, if you look at it the lower bowl all but two sections are full and then there's people spread out around the top. So I guess see let's see what WrestleTix has as far as the the number. Uh what did WrestleTix say today
1: double or nothing. 1412 tickets not sold.
0: And they said, if you are attending, please send pictures. Let's see if anybody did. See, like, we'll, we'll just throw this picture up here on
1: the screen. This one looks pretty good. Um, let's do this. Um. I could zoom in on it really fast. Hold on.
0: I mean, like I said, other than these two sections here, every other section seems pretty goddamn full. And then, of course, like the upper bowls are pretty empty. And this was 10 minutes into the show.
1: So yeah, this was about ten minutes into the show.
0: Let me just see if there's any other photos from my later on in the show. Not seeing any others really, but yeah. So it was pretty pretty good, I would say. So as far as the eleven thousand, let me see, Courtney Russell ticks. It was set up for eleven thousand six hundred and forty-one and ten thousand. Two hundred and twenty-nine tickets had been distributed. A couple more of the comments here says, "I'm not going to read that one because it's a battleground comment." Show was awesome. The dummy that said NXT was oh, I'm not. Whatever. Not going to get into. People are now arguing in the comments on WWE is better. No NXT was AEW is better. No w- Did you watch both all the way? You can't compare unless you've seen both all the way. And I'm not talking about both on at the same time, because there's going to be one you weren't paying attention to at one point. Or as the YouTube live poll does go, 71% liked the show, 20% thought it was just all right, and 9% did not like it. With that, guys, that is going to wrap everything up. I want to say thank you if you're watching live on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited. Live or later on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited or on podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. As far as my NXT Battleground review does go, I'm going to go watch that show right now, and then we're going to talk about that on tomorrow morning's wrestling wrap-up podcast so that is when i'll give you my thoughts and rundown of nxt battleground with that guys have a great rest of your sunday have a great memorial day tomorrow whether you're doing something fun or just relaxing lounging around the house we'll see you next time have a
1: good one guys